Get ready for winter driving at Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers with super deals on tires, including up to $200 on new Goodyear tires, plus oil changes, brakes, batteries, and more. For value and savings, click on gotodobbs.com today. Time now for the Danny Mac Show with BK, getting you inside the cards and St. Louis sports on 101 ESPN. I think that it's it's a case of the clubs and the players want to have some certainty going forward. They've identified guys that they want. They're going after them. Uh, who knows what's going to happen December 1st. Uh, next next week, obviously, will be a, a big week, and they've got a deadline to get it done by uh, the 1st, and, and usually it takes the deadline, like you said, to get it done. But I think most players, if they get an opportunity to sign now, They'll sign rather than wait. That was Walt Jockety, the former Cardinals GM, still working in a front office role with the Cincinnati Reds, kind of an emeritus role, if you will. But uh, that was last week, and he was on the show. And uh, as we've been talking about, that's BK. I'm Danny Mack. We thought that the deadline could spur a lot of negotiations, a lot of contracts being doled out, a lot of money being spent, and boy, has it ever. This was a busy, busy weekend in Major League Baseball. We're going to go through some of the signings here shortly. There's talk that Max Scherzer being offered uh, three years, $42 million a year by the Mets. Uh, You know, players wanted certainty before this lockout. Teams want certainty. And the reason why it may get really busy today is that when you do a contract, I mean, a lot of these are so complicated, it takes time. Go through the commissioner's office and Major League Baseball's lawyers and people look through it, make sure everything's right. Um, And then you have to have the player take the physical, fly into that particular city, whatever the case may be. So there is time involved in trying to make this happen. You can't just, at least not, not to my knowledge, at 12.57 when uh, 1 1 a.m. hits or whatever it is, midnight, and you got three minutes left and say, why sign BK for $50 million? It just doesn't happen like that. So once the sport shuts down, front offices cannot talk to players. Players can't talk to them. They can't be at the facility. And agents are not to be talked to either. So that's why we are seeing such a busy, busy 24, 48 hours in in Major League Baseball. It's been fun to watch. It's been great to watch. It's good for the sport that we're watching something like this right now. And I wish that we could see this more often. Like, this is one of the unintended consequences to what is going to be an ugly next few months. This is good. Seeing baseball in the news, like you go over to ESPN.com right now, there are actual baseball stories on the front page in late November. That ain't something we see a whole lot. Like you'll see, hey, Bryce Harper signs today. And then there's like a month of nothing happening. And then, oh, look, there's something else. It's it's more of the shotgun approach. This year, it's like you look left, you look right. There's a guy signing here, there. If you're a fan of one team, this is what's interesting to you. If you're a fan of another team, hey, that signing just happened. Maybe that impacts us here. This keeps more fan bases engaged to your sport later on into the calendar year. That's great. And Dan, by the way, as you were talking, the offer, it appears, has been up to Max Scherzer. For, uh, three years, $43 million is the latest report. By the Mets? Yeah, by the Mets. Yeah. So uh, it seems like that's probably where this is headed. I, I think Scherzer is th- going to be there. But here's what I've, I've been kind of thinking Maybe Scott Boris is laying in the weeds on this one and keeps feeding some stuff. It gets out there because truly Max Scherzer wants to go to the West Coast, mm. either re-sign with the Dodgers or the Angels get involved. God, can you imagine 
Cohen's tweets oh, if that happens. He'll lose his mind. I mean, he lost it over Steven Matz. This is Max Scherzer. Yeah, I, it, it is fascinating to see if it goes that high. And and look, Max Scherzer is a future Hall of Famer. He has been one of the most dominant uh, pitchers of his era. But here's the thing, BK. He's 37. Yeah. You know, I, and I'm not saying he doesn't live up to the contract. He very well could live up to the contract. He did when you started looking at the how they project numbers and war and things of that nature with his contract with the Nationals. He lived up to everything and, and surpassed it. One of the best free agent signings ever. Yes. But uh, 37, man, with a lot of mileage. Wow. It's amazing. So I don't want to hear there's not money in the sport, by the way. Oh, yeah. There's plenty of money in the sport. So to the bigger picture, greater question, whatever point, hey, get this thing solved, man. Don't shut this thing down. Get this thing solved. That, I mean, <laughs> Yeah, there's some awards in the sport. I get it. But holy smokes, there's a lot of money to be made. Lots. There is. And this is one of my frustrations that I've had in recent years where it's like, hey, no, we we had a pandemic season. We can't afford it. Yes, you can. Yes, you can. The sport is doing very well right now. We can pretend that it's not and we can cover for all of the owners that are trying to tank right now to save a couple of bucks. No, you you don't need to be doing that. Your sport's bringing in plenty of money. If you want to go out there and sign some guys, you can. You don't want to. And so you have an easy cover now of going about it in a different way. But, Dan, this this has been a lot of fun. And I wonder how they can, how you ignite this in future years. Because obviously you don't want the CBA to expire. Yeah, I brought that up. But how do we continue this? Well, this is a good trend. I, I do wonder if we learn that maybe you put a, a moratorium on free agents between, uh, you know, say December 1st and January 15th or something, because then you get the push of you finish up the World Series late October, maybe a day or two in November, and then you have this just influx of money being spent and you're still staying in the front burner. I don't know. I, I think I, you do Christmas. Yeah, maybe so. Because you've got the winter meetings. What would it be next weekend normally? Yeah, because I want to have the winter meetings. A lot of stuff happens there. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's really fascinating. If you talk to, like I've talked to Walt about this. I've talked to John Mozalock about this too. Whether it be with um, a trade or a signing, a lot of that stuff, the, the groundwork is laid at the GM meetings. And they say, hey, don't, you know, let, let's, we'll work on this. You'd work on that. And then we'll get together at the winter meetings after the GM meetings, about a month later, maybe we can nail this thing down. And then it gets closer, like coming out of that, sometimes it's, hey, if we can get this done by January 1st or Christmas, I- I'm with you. Maybe you shut down the sport, not shut it down, but you just say, hey, no deals from like Christmas until January 15th or something. Because not a lot is happening then you can anyway. You do like February 1st. Yeah. M- make it hurt if they don't yeah. make that signing, you know, like, hey. If you don't get this done now, you're going to be getting right up into spring training when guys are, are reporting to camps. I think that that is how you get it to the point where players and teams want to have their teams finalized. It's a deadline. They want to yeah. know. And that that pushes guys to sign a little bit earlier. And then it treats that as if it is a signing deadline of sorts. There will still be some guys that like the Bryce Harper signing from a few years ago. He Maybe he would go later on into the year. Don't you think it's interesting that like Scherzer fascinating is getting this the now. Clients, they're yes. all getting it done. Yes. Uh, that I wonder why and what he's thinking as to what's this going to look like on the other end of an agreement. It's really interesting. I also find it interesting that Freddie Freeman hasn't re-signed with the Braves. 
I think that's interesting. I think it's interesting that we have this greatest class of shortstops, potentially. We'll see how it all shakes out in five years. But how about we, that Marcus Simeon deal? So, Ooh, buddy. So now the Yankees are, are talking about none of those guys. Mm-hmm. Now, Seager's been linked to them, but apparently Corey Seager may wind up with Marcus Simeon with the Texas Rangers. They're spending a ton of money. So uh, it's Andrelton Simmons is the is the the guy that the Yankees are talking about. Now, can you imagine their fan base? Oh, God. The biggest, I mean, the biggest brand in the sport, maybe the Yankees and the money that they have, and you wind up with Andrelton Simmons is no disrespect. He's a great defender, but that ain't Corey Seager walking through your door. No, and Trevor Story. I do wonder if Yankees fans will be. I, I'm giving them too much credit. Um, <laughs> what I was gonna say is, I do wonder if they look at it and say our biggest issue last year at that position was the defense because it was their defense yeah. at shortstop was just unimaginably bad. If you can get a quality defender there and you surround it with Judge and Stanton and you bring in somebody to play first base, whether it be Freeman or Rizzo, whoever, whoever ends up being that guy there. Okay, you could see how that would work offensively for you while plugging in a defensive wizard at shortstop. But I, yeah, I mean, there's you've got Trevor Story and Seeger and Correa, and they're going to be happy about yeah. Andrelson Simmons? Probably not. And they may get Jacob Stallings, too. There's some talk that they would trade for Stallings, the uh, pirate catcher that won the gold glove. He is really good defensively. They got Gary Sanchez there. He hasn't hit, he hasn't played defense at all. And they've got to figure out in the next 24 hours if they tender him a deal. And it could be that uh, they go out and get Jacob Stallings and say, look, we're going to put a premium on, to your point, some defense. And uh, and hopefully Judge Stanton and some of the other big bats that they have come through. LeMayhew, that's one way to look at it. We'll see. Uh, coming up, we're going to visit with Jesse Rogers. Always love talking to him. He's got great insight into the CBA and also what's happening with free agency. We're going to do that around 1030 or so. Back to more of the Danny Mac Show with BK on 101 ESPN. The Cardinals are in the free agent shortstop market. They are 100% in it. Now, does that mean they're going to sign one of these guys? I'm not sure. Uh, but they are shopping around, and to me, that is the deepest uh, genre of this free agent class. It's the shortstop market. It'll be interesting to see if the Cardinals do dip their toe into that water and uh, do want to do that. But then they have Amundo Sosa, Paul DeYoung, and then you'd have to make some adjustments on the fly. Um, here's some of the, the Mets signings, by the way, in the last four days. Starling Marte, four years, $78 million, so he's back in the National League East. Eduardo Escobar, two years, $20 million. Mark Canna, two years, $26.5 and, and then you got Scherzer, you know, potentially getting $120 to $130 million over three years. Rangers signed Marcus Simeon. So now you have a little bit of a benchmark of uh, where that short, uh, shortstop market can go. Now he can play other places. Seven years, 175. They also, the Rangers did, sign John Gray, four years, 56 million. Trevor Story uh, lives just outside the Dallas area, too. So there's a lot of talk that they would go out and try to get him as well. Mm-hmm. Simeon can play all over the place. Um, we'll see if they do it. The Mets and Rangers have combined to commit $365 million since Friday. And um, 
The Blue Jays, by the way, signed Kevin Gossman, five years, 110. Blue Jays have been on him for like three years. They tried to do it before, but now they get him, and it's without a qualifying offer, uh, without the the draft choice uh, attached to him. So five years, 110. By the way, the Blue Jays right now, if you look at their rotation, might be the best in the sport. It's very good. It's really good. Marlins, Avisel Garcia. So he's out of the uh, Central Division, four years, 53. Um, smaller deals. This is a typical Tampa Bay Ray deal. Makes all the sense to do this. Corey Kluber, one year, eight million. Michael Walker, one year, seven million. He went with the Red Sox. Hector Neris, two years, seventeen million. Interesting with that one. And then the uh, Mariners acquired Adam Frazier, the former Pirate from the Padres, and the Twins got Byron Buxton, seven years, one hundred million. Now with the Buxton deal, I was looking at that. That's really interesting because when he stays on the field, he's an MVP. Mm-hmm. So. It's just a matter of him staying healthy enough to be on the field, and the incentives in that are crazy. Like if he finishes in the the top ten, top five, it's wins like five the, to ten million dollars yes. per year, depending on where he finishes in the MVP race. That's right. And the idea was, I'm sure his representation saying, "Hey, you have an MVP player," and they said, "Well, we we agree." It's just when he plays, can't stay healthy, can't stay on the field, but still gets $100 million. So some some of the bigger signings that we had here in the last 72 hours. Yeah, let's let's focus on, um, let's start out here with that trade, if you don't mind, Dan, because I was a little surprised Adam Frazier now going to be out of the Central Division for basically very little, at least based on the industry reports. I don't know anything about these two prospects that they got, Raymond Kerr and Corey Rozier. I know, I know nothing about those guys, but based on the stuff that you can read not exactly high impact players that are going back to the um in this deal to the Padres yeah I I what happened here what happened here he didn't play the to the level that he was playing at with the Pirates and remember the Padres Tommy Pham could be gone too so that's two guys you could lose you know now you still have your big infield Machado Hosmer Tatis but um, Cronenworth as well. But that's two big bats, potentially. Guys with high upsides in Tommy Pham, who is an analytics darling, and and a guy like Adam Frazier, that when Frazier two years ago was awful and bounced back with a really good season while with the Pirates this year, Pirates, to their credit, sold high, and uh, and he just wasn't the same when he got to San Diego. Just, just didn't click. Seems like such a strange decision to move on from him this quickly. I, I guess this was uh, maybe the really strange part of this is them trading for him to begin with. And this part is the obvious. Okay, uh, we went for it. It didn't work. Now we're going to go move in a different direction. But it just seems like a weird use of their resources. But um, that, that one stood out to me as one of the more interesting moves that kind of went under the radar over the weekend. Let's get back to the shortstop market, Dan. By the way, real quickly, Cardinals have called a press conference at two for the signing of Steven Matz. I'm assuming that we will carry that here on 101 ESPN. Yeah, that's my assessment. That's my assumption as well. Marcus Simeon's seven years. That's what stood and out. He's 33, 31 years, 31. Old now. I'm sorry. Yeah. The $25 million per year. That's about what we all expected. Some somewhere around there. Seven years for a 31-year-old player in today's game is not the norm by any stretch. It had been reported that it was probably going to be closer to five or six years. Seven is kind of baffling to me, and it makes me wonder what the market's going to be. We knew that Seager and Correa were likely to get 10-plus years. I wonder what this means for the other two shortstops, Baez and Story, in this market. I would have to imagine they look for something similar, if not 
longer than that. There was talk that Baez may wind up with Detroit because Detroit has flat out said, we're not spending over $300 million on a player. We're just not going to do it. Uh, Correa wants that kind of money. And so I kind of like it when a team says that. They say, look, if, if you're looking for this, we're not in that market. We're, we're done. So I like getting the player. <laughs> I, I, I get that. But, I mean, if you can spend – I mean, Javi Baez is a really good player. He can play all over the diamond. He can play gold glove at second or short. Now, he's going to strike out a ton. You already know that going in. But he's going to hit you 25, 30 bombs and drive in 90 to 100. I mean, you can pencil it in. So are you better off with that and not spending – Hundred million more on Correa? I don't know. Maybe. I, Is Correa maybe. that much better than Javi Baez? I, I think so. Yeah, uh, the lack of strikeouts uh, there—that's the thing. I mean, is a big part of it for me. Um, just what he brings overall as the face of the franchise for you. And I understand there's the other stuff that you've got to deal with with the um, sign stealing scandal from the Houston. But overall, by all reports, he was a great leader inside of that clubhouse. Like I. If you're telling me I can have one or the other and it's going to cost me $5 million more per year to get a guy like uh, Correa as opposed to uh, Baez, yeah, I'm I'm going to go ahead and do that because I think he's just a far superior player. I would say Detroit has been the team for me as I look at where a surprise could come next year. I don't think it would be a surprise to them by how well they played this year where most in baseball thought they were going to be awful and they weren't. Um and they have pitching coming. They've got young pitching already in their rotation. They're a shortstop and another player away. So I wonder if they get a get a really good player in Baez or one of these guys and then dedicate the other funds that you would thought would go to Correa to somewhere else. I, I That to me is the maybe that's the way I should put it as sure. opposed to comparing Baez and Correa. Yeah, and that's what we had to do here for, for the Cardinals as well, right? It was a question of, okay, it's not just, do you want Trevor Story? Well, of course you do. Everybody would like to have Trevor Story. But what if it's Trevor Story versus Steven Matt's a bullpen arm and a decent bat? Okay, well, maybe the other side looks a little bit more appealing in that scenario. I just... If I'm a team like the Tigers, I want to get the best possible option for my team right now because they do have, as you mentioned, so many guys that are coming up that are about to be cost controlled. Now, some of this also is just having faith that the financial scenario for the next 10 years is not going to completely shift on them over the next three months, which it could. We don't know what that's going to look like with arbitration potentially coming down a year and guys getting paid earlier and more early on in their careers. Mm -hmm. That can change all of this. But based on the information that we have available right now, if you're telling me I can have a a bullpen arm plus Baez versus Correa, I'm going Correa. I, I just think that guy's better than everybody else that's available on the market this offseason. To your point, 31 years old and getting seven years for Simeon. That's crazy. Yeah. Where, and he's a good player. A, but a Very good player. But the sport is trending to where young guys are getting pushed. They're here. And that's why we're having this. You know, do you take a year off of getting to a free agency or arbitration? Or do we start playing paying the younger players a lot more money? Um and up that part of it, the league minimum. I, I think that's all on the table, but that's what makes the Simeon thing like, wow. What do you think it means for Story? Because he's he's the guy that we've had so many conversations about, of course. And I I, I thought five years felt right for him, given some of the injury he's questions. He's probably saying, if he's getting seven, give me ten. 100%. You know? If I'm his agent, I'm looking at this right now saying, I, I need eight. 
Yeah. Like, I, I'm not signing for anything less than eight at $25 million per year. I'd be curious what teams value him, what the AAV would be. I'm with you. You know, down year. Wasn't great last year. What's the true value of Trevor's story? And I still think in the back of a lot of people's minds playing in Denver, even though we have the numbers that can show what a guy does outside of Denver and vice versa. And especially for a guy that doesn't have a great on-base percentage and is a pure power hitter. And wasn't great defensively. Mm-hmm. I mean, remember that too. So the full, the full package of what you're getting in that type of player. Believe me, if he came to St. Louis, He's I'd be like, really good. you know. <laughs> Sign them up. See what you got. Uh, Jesse Rogers is coming up. Can't get enough cards talk? You've come to the right place. Back to more of the Danny Mac Show with BK on 101 ESPN. Jesse Rogers does a, a fantastic job at ESPN covering the sport of baseball, whether it's free agency or what's happening with the CBA. Uh, and he joins us now on 101 ESPN. Jesse, I know it's uh, probably a really busy time for you in covering the sport like you do. So thanks for hopping on. We uh, really appreciate it. Yeah, no, this is the busy time. You're right, because it might get very quiet very soon. So we may as well jump on all the action now because December and January, or at least December, is probably going to be just about uh, labor negotiations it was 45 years ago uh reggie jackson signed with the yankees for five years and 3.5 million so things have it was 45 years ago today so things have changed a little bit where you may have max scherzer signing and there's talk now of even a fourth year potentially by the mets um do you think ultimately max scherzer winds up with new york i'm going to say yes but with a very uh, deliberate pause in there because we know that you know Scott Boris is as good as they come and and look there were reports that Max Scherzer wanted to stay in the West Coast so how do you up the ante out there well you get a third team or second team involved somewhere else in the country so I'll say yes because it's really hard to turn down forty plus million a year but if they're using the Mets kind of like Bauer did with the Dodgers you never know so there's always a pause there's always some hesitancy. Uh, but it sounds like he will end up there. So very interesting and kind of interesting that, you know, the the, the, the league and the players are discussing financials during the CBA. And all of a sudden, all these players are making a ton of money. No kidding. The league loves these these moments right now. They love the last 24 hours because they can point to the to the to, to the public and say, look, players are getting paid left and right here. So what do they want from our system? There's no salary cap. Everyone's getting paid seemingly. Of course, the, the union will say not everyone is getting paid. Just the top, top end guys are. We need to fix the system so the middle and the bottom get paid a little bit more. So um, Max Scherzer is one of the leaders in the union. He's in the exe- on the executive committee. He's the top guy. So to turn down an offer like that, you know, might be fuel for, for the league. Who knows? There's all these subplots going on. So I think he ends up taking the best offer, and that would probably be New York. But, again, a little – little pause there because you never know how these things work out behind the scenes. Yeah, and it, speaking of some of the top money deals, Marcus Simeon signed yesterday, seven oh. years, $175 million. I guess the first question there is just, were you surprised at all that he got the seventh year on that deal for a guy that's going to be 31 next season? Then also, what does this mean for the other guys kind of in that range on the shortstop market, specifically referencing Trevor Story and Javi Baez? Oh, they're licking their chops. There's no doubt about it. We know that 
plus 30 years old is when the, the GMs look at the analytics and say, uh, there's usually going to be a drop off and we're not going to give this guy, but Marcus Simeon is a little different. I think he's, he's probably a little bit more money in the bank at plus 30 than some of these other guys, but it does create a floor for the 27 and 28 year olds. There's no doubt about it. Um, yes, I was a little surprised. Um, I'd be shocked uh, among other players, but just surprised when it comes to Simeon, this guy that's played 162 games, the last two full seasons, both 19 and 21, put up huge numbers. I think he will age well, but we're talking about his last year being at, what, 38 years old. I don't think there's any doubt the end of that contract probably won't look great for the Rangers, um, but I think his mid-30s will be good. And that that you can't say that about every um, shortstop that's on the market right now. I don't know how Javi Baez is going to age in his mid-30s and, and a few of these other guys as well. So, it's a dual thought here. I think it creates an incredible floor for those other guys, but I don't think um, uh, uh, executives are going to say, I think Carlos Correa is going to be the same player at 37, 38 that Marcus Simeon might be like, I think he's a, he's a, he's an outlier. I really do. I think he's already proven that he's aging pretty well. So in some ways it's, it's a, it's a precedent for these other shortstops, but I think executives will push back a little bit and say, He's a unique player right now um, and staying healthy and putting up the numbers and playing in 162 games. So, again, that, that creates a precedent, but it doesn't mean that every GM has to follow it. Hey, Jesse, I, I know you know this so well, um, but can you dumb it down for our listeners and and try to explain when we hear all this money being spent and the money that's there in the sport, why are we coming up on a deadline in which the, the game is going to have a lockout? So kind of dumb it down for us a little bit if you could. Yeah, I mean, I think that the players just feel like the system's a little outdated. And it sort of comes back to what I just said about the 30-year-olds and older, right? In the old days, free agency about that age, you'd still get paid a, a good buck. But we know the GMs have, have seen the analytics, and we, they, 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 they're not going to pay for past performance as much. You know, all these things have happened over the last decade or so, which has created a, 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 a feeling among the players that, okay, instead of paying us at 30-plus years old, because we get it, the analytics say maybe you shouldn't, we want to get paid at a younger age. Um, Chris Bryant here in Chicago wins Rookie of the Year in 15, follows that up with a MVP season in 16, yet because of this formula, he gets paid, what, a million bucks and two million bucks, right, until they get to the arbitration system. So players want everything to sort of get, get, start happening at a younger age, and they feel like the system is outdated, in terms of paying players at an older age, but executives aren't forced to do that, right? If they don't think you're going to perform at that older age. So that's kind of where we're at. Um, Players would love for agency. Let's say after five years, the league is saying, no, maybe we'll give it to you universally at 29 years old, which, which maybe helps guys that may, you know, enter the league at 25, but it doesn't help the Juan Soto's of the world. They don't want to wait till 29 to, to get to free agency. So there's a huge gap there. And there's a huge gap in what I just said about it, uh, young guys performing at a very, very young age, but all they get is renewed for 500, 800, a million uh, bucks, whatever the number is, right? So that's kind of where we're at. It's just a total overall look at the system. What we see in these last couple of days, though, is that a lot of the great players are always going to get paid, and the system allows that when there's no salary cap. And that's the one thing the league will say over and over again. You guys, meaning the players, have the best system in sports. There is no salary cap. Yes, there's a collective, you know, there's that luxury tax thing, but it still is not a hard cap. 
And so there's kind of the disconnect. Players want to get paid younger, but want to continue to let the the the, the stars get paid at three hundred million, at three fifty, at four hundred million, while the league is saying, "Well, you can't have everything. You can't have everything." And that's where there's sort of a disconnect. Do you get a feeling that there's a sense of urgency on both sides to try to get this deadline deal done or just, hey, we know it's coming and we'll see at spring training? Yeah, that, I think that's it. There's been really no urgency. They've sort of talked a good game. The league is really preparing and they have been sort of a PR blitz because they know come Thursday, league, out, uh, league locks out players is not a good headline, but they are saying it's a negotiating play because until something's forced, you know, like uh, spring training or a lockout until there are, there's real consequences. It doesn't seem like there's some urgency on the union side. That's according to the league. The union is saying, look, until we overhaul some things, we are not budging. And we proved that in the pandemic, the union stuck, you know, stuck together and eventually Manfred had to implement something on his own. So, um, either the lockout forces some urgency or spring training forces some urgency. So they're going to start with the lockout. And, and again, the league is saying this is not punitive. We just want to force the, both sides to the table in a serious manner. So right now there is no urgency, and that's probably why we're, we're approaching a lockout. What are we about to watch within the next 24 hours? Talking to Jesse Rogers, by the way, covers MLB for ESPN.com. What's today going to be like? What are you expecting in terms of signings around the league? I think it's similar to what we saw yesterday. Now, I, there's no rhyme or reason why, let's just go to the shortstop market, why two might sign and three may not. Like, it's just about, you know, the process, right? And, um, you know, we had heard at the GM meetings that some, a couple of the Boris clients might sign, that Simeon and Seeger. So Simeon already has, maybe Seeger will. But there's no rhyme or reason to which ones will and which ones won't. You know, it's just how the market develops, how many teams are interested how motivated the player is like there's three or four or five different things here. So I, I can't tell you which ones will. All I can tell you is there is an extra urgency to sign no matter who you are. I mean, even mid mid-level relievers would love to sign before the lockout just to get in some security in terms of where they'll be for spring training. It's just like any other season, every off season, every player wants to sign as early as possible there's just that extra deadline here with December 1st approaching that players want to. And that's why we've seen a flurry of signings. But but I can't tell you, you know, there's no reason to say, oh, all five short steps are going to sign before December 1st. There's just, there's no rhyme or reason. A few will, a few won't. A few pitchers will, a few won't. And it'll just happen that way. The one thing about trades is uh, during the lockout, executives can talk to each other, but they can't talk to free agents. So there's a feeling that, um, there'll be a lot of trades worked out during the lockout and then announced once the lockout ends, and that'll give a better feel for some teams in, ter- in terms of what they need for free agency. So, again, there's no rhyme or reason. One team might say, well, I'm waiting on free agents because I'm expecting to pull some trades off, um, and then I'll, I'll, I'll sign guys in January or early February. So every team has different needs. Every player has different needs, and so we'll see some signings, but how many? I can't tell you. All I know is there'll be a bunch. What other markets are the Cardinals in that maybe you've heard? Uh, obviously, they've gotten Stephen Matz. They're going to make that official at 2 o'clock today with a press conference. But any other team uh, or players that you're hearing about, positions maybe that uh, they're involved in? Yeah, I think the, the relief market now, now that they, they've addressed starting pitching, and they still may address starting pitching. Um, we know what happened last year to the Cardinals with all those injuries. So you can never have enough. But I think they'll hit the relief market. I was looking at some names. I mean, 
you know, Andrew Chafin would be a great fit for, for, for uh, the Cardinals bullpen, kind of taking that Andrew Miller role. I know you guys re-signed TJ McFarland, but you can never have enough lefties in the bullpen. So I think they'll address that. Like, how, 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 how far do they go? How aggressive do they get? Craig Kimbrell is available for a trade. Would you sign Kimbrell and move Reyes down a notch or something like that? Like, I still think there's work to be done in that bullpen on that pitching staff. Um, Mozeliak made no, um, you know, did not hide the fact that he's interested in pitching during the GM meetings. Um, you know, I thought maybe they'd go after one of those shortstops, but I kind of understand why they may not. I mean, you're getting into that $250, $300 million range. You know, I think as of today, the Cardinals can write themselves into October, barring some crazy injury issue like they had on the mound last year. And that's today. Um, they don't need to win the winter to go to October. The Mets seem to feel like they need to win the winter to play in October. The Cardinals don't need to do that. Not in this division, not in the NL central. What they need to do is just fortify themselves to get to October and for October. And I think you do that mostly on the mound, uh, work around the edges among the position players, but I'm definitely hearing the Cardinals involved in, in uh, bullpen conversations. Who are you hearing connected the most to the shortstop market with the Cardinals? No, 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 sorry. Oh. Which teams are you hearing connected the most to the shortstop oh, yeah, market right that's, now? That's kind of obvious. The Tigers are going to get one. The Tigers are going to get one. There's no doubt. We, the Rangers already got one, although there's reports they might get two. I still have some doubts about that. I know Simeon really wanted to play shortstop, but at that money, I guess he'll play wherever they tell him. <laughs> so uh, the, Rangers, uh, the, the Rangers have one. There's no doubt in my mind the Tigers are going to get one. I still think the Yankees are going to dip their feet in there. I mean, there's not many years where a free agent class of shortstops like this are available. Um, why wouldn't the Yankees get involved? Gleyber Torres has kind of been underachieving there. So Yankees, Tigers, Rangers. Heard the Mariners. I did a poll of executives um, recently, and they, they talked about the Mariners, but they also linked Simeon to him. So not sure where that's going to go. Um, I don't think the Cubs who need one are going to be involved at that price range. I don't think the Dodgers will be involved because they have Turner there. So there, there's about three to four teams that absolutely will want one, and there's four guys out there. So it's a game of musical chairs right now. Of course, Baez could play second. Um, most people think now that the Rangers have signed Simeon that Correa will end up in Detroit. I think it's Correa or uh, Story to end up in Detroit. I still think Seager ends up in, in uh, with the Yankees. And then, you know, Baez could be left over. Look, maybe there's a wild card out there. But look to the Mariners as well to maybe sign one. Final question for you, Jesse. What do you think this uh, lockout is going to be like in terms of, is it going to get nasty? Are there going to be leaks? Or do you think both sides understood how bad it looked during the pandemic and say, look, we need to cool it and everything's got to stay behind closed doors as much as we can? I think initially here, as as we approach the deadline, there's going to be, I'm, I'm going to be writing a story about it, in fact. And so there's going to be some leaks just to try to win the PR battle for the moment as that headline hits. League locks out players. Um, and I think the, the league is more interested in winning that battle because that headline is about them. They're, they're taking the action, right? Now, the league will say, well, the union didn't want to really negotiate. They wanted this outcome, and that's where the – there will be a moment of nastiness, I think, in the next few days. Once it hits, I think they're going to try – they've kept it quiet till now. I think some will get public in the, in the coming days. I think they'll try to keep it uh, quiet throughout the month of December. Now it'll, it'll get nasty again if we approach spring training and there's no deal and players start getting antsy about where they're living and all that stuff. So I do think we'll see some, some good negotiating going on quietly in December slash January. 
after maybe initial PR blitz by both sides here. And then we'll see if games are, are threatened. That's when it'll get nasty again. That's kind of my prediction. No doubt. Hey, Jesse, thanks so much for the insight. You do great work at ESPN, and uh, let's catch up very soon. You got it, guys. Take care. You bet. That's uh, Jesse Rogers of ESPN. He really does a hell of a job covering the sport. Love his stuff. Um, interesting. You know, I mean, some of the things, and I hadn't really thought about, and I should have. It's an obvious reason, the players. I mean, you get some of these guys that sign early, and they're going to say, hey, told you, they all have money they're going to spend. Well, Max Scherzer may be right about that. He's going to get $42 million maybe. That's what's being reported yeah. per year. Makes it interesting in the PR battle, doesn't it, when you say that? It does. I don't think anybody cares, though. Like, I, you're, you're absolutely correct. That is the way that it will be spun by both sides. There will be the, the spin doctor is going to be out in full force starting late this week, early next week. Publicly, though, if I'm a fan of the, the sport, I don't care what you have to say. Like, yeah, I, I watched all these guys get paid. I also I understand what has taken place over the last five years when payrolls have consistently gone down over every single season year to year. So, I mean, they can spend it all they want. I can hear it from either side. I don't much care about either of your arguments right now. Just get back to the game. I think that's what fans will say. When do you get anxious as a fan? When do you get, um, you know, you're squirming in your seat a little bit and it's January 1 and you haven't heard anything or when you do, it's a leak here or there, but uh, you got no baseball. February 1. Yeah. You know, I, I wonder, though, how... Here locally, how that would affect like a winter warm up, that kind of thing. You know, people really love that. Had a texter ask about, uh, you know, should I plan a trip to looking at a couple visiting cities? I would say yes. Yeah. I mean, I think we're we're gonna we, we will have baseball next year and have a Get full the travel season. insurance though. Yeah, <laughs> just I, in case. I, I I just don't see that happening. I, I can't. I mean, when you see the numbers that are being thrown out here right now, clearly everybody's making money. So it's just how you want to divvy up the pie, and the only time you don't make money is when you don't play. So that is the prevailing feeling that I have. It's just they they would never go down that road to that point that it would get that bad that you would shut down the game. I I just cannot see that happening. I'd be stunned if we end up in a situation where there is not just a work stoppage, but games that are delayed. Um, I, I think that you could see spring training delayed. Maybe they learned in the 2020 season, hey, we have two, three weeks as a ramp-up yeah. period. I think you have two weeks of spring training that they, even the players would say, eh, okay. You I don't know. think they would mind that. I think there are some guys that probably looked at that season where they position were able to players. come back. Yeah, and they were like, you know what? This ain't so bad. Maybe this is hey, fine. Position players, they're, they're ready to roll basically when they, I mean, they come in and shape. All these guys do. I mean, spring training is about building up the pitchers. You just need time to build up. That's what you need. Yeah. And so if you're... If you're the league and you're looking at it through that prism, mid mid February, if we're if we're done by then, you feel pretty good about it. Then that allows guys to have a couple of weeks to prepare to go to uh, spring training camps. You get them on site, you work out for a couple of weeks, you get the two weeks of spring training in, boom, you're ready to go on the field. Would that change what baseball looks like the first two weeks of the season? Possibly. You remember what it looked like for the Cardinals. I mean, they were taking those starters out very early in those games. And I do wonder how that would play into some of the decision-making. But to kind of wrap this all up into where we are today, Dan, I think that's why some of these pitchers are wanting to get signed now because instead of having to be frantic right before the start of spring training and wondering, okay, where am I going? Where is my family going to be for the next three, six months? At least then, you know, Steven Matz knows today, okay, I'm going to be in St. Louis. I'm going to be in spring training down in Jupiter. I know what my next six months, four years for him is going to look like. Yeah. 
Uh, all right, that does it for this show. Thanks to Jesse Rogers. Crossover. So you are part of the crossover because you have the next show uh, with Tanner and uh, Alex. Crazy weekend of college football, man. That was, was fun. Wild. That was fun, man. Gosh, those games are so fun. So here's a question for you, Dan, real quickly. Yeah. How much do you lose from this weekend if you expand the playoffs? Because I've always been in favor of it. But this weekend, I, I was wondering that to myself. Of, I don't think you do. Okay. I, I still think you have your bitter rivals that'll never go away. And you have Michigan, Ohio State. You got the Iron Bowl. Uh, I, I just don't think it'll. I think it enhances it, maybe. I really? love it. I do. Because I think some of the stakes are removed. Like the, the stakes from that Michigan Ohio State game are not the same if you expand the playoff because Ohio State is likely in no matter what. Right. Um, the stakes in the Iron Bowl are removed a little bit because Alabama, whether they win or that lose that game, is almost guaranteed to get into the playoff if you expand it to eight or 12. Uh, the Oklahoma State Oklahoma game, that would be, same that would be thing. Two losses. I mean, you get two losses, you're maybe on the outside looking in, unless you're a total blue blood like Alabama. Um, Ohio State. That's what I mean, though. Those I, games I understand that we what saw, you're saying. I do think it changes some of that. I don't. I, I think those places hate each other so much that it wouldn't matter. I mean, I think you could you could schedule them in July and they'd say, "Let's do it." And you'd have 110,000 oh, people going nuts, and the I'm saying for would the be- casual fan, though, for me watching the game, part of the intrigue was, "What does this mean for them getting into the playoff?" Yeah. And I, I get that. I, I understand what you're I'm saying. I'm still in favor of it. Don't get me wrong. I want to see it because now we just add four more games that have those kinds of stakes to them or two more games that have those kinds of stakes to them. But I do think it's something that at least needs to be considered before we just decide, okay, yeah, let's expand it to as many teams as possible. Uh, Lincoln Riley going to USC. Didn't see that. I didn't think that was coming. Nobody did. He was asked specifically, and it was a very Aaron Rodgers, I'm immunized type of an answer. He was asked, are you going to be the head coach at LSU? And he said, I'm going to stop you right there. I'm not going to be the next coach at LSU. Next question. Yeah. He didn't say USC. <laughs> He's right. He told the truth. Uh, that is one of the biggest coaching changes in college football since Nick Saban. It's Came a big back one. to Alabama. Uh, you know, I, I'm fascinated where... I see like Lane Kiffin is always fun for me. Mm-hmm. I, I've watched him wherever he goes. I, I just find him intriguing. Um, is that something is Oklahoma something now with them going to the SEC where you say Lane train going there? Now he just had a ten win season at Ole Miss and he's putting up, you know, 180 points a game. He's got it rolling. Maybe. I don't know. His quarterback's about to leave though. Yeah. Uh, Matt Corral might be one of the, if not the top pick in next year's draft. He'll be probably top five to ten in next year's draft. If I'm him, I this is my offseason to go. Uh this this might be the high water point for him at Ole Miss. I want to get to either Miami or Oklahoma. Those would be the two spots that I would be looking at, or uh, finding out who leaves for Oklahoma. There could be another good job that opens up as a result of that guy leaving their job for Oklahoma. So I, I think Lane leaves this offseason. It's just a matter of where. LSU, by the way, another another spot yeah. I'd be looking at for him. All right, what do you have coming up on your show? Yeah, we'll start things out with the Blues, who had a very up-and-down weekend. Uh, basically, after we left on Wednesday night, they had a couple of bad games in a row, and then they had a really good game on Saturday. That second so, period was as well as they played. It was outstanding. 
how do they get to that point consistently? That's the whole question that I've got for Alex Ferrario. We'll get into that coming up here in just a little bit. We will talk to Jim Riggleman at 1130. He was previously the pitching coach for Steven Matz out in New York. When I ask him what he saw from Matz at his best, how he avoids getting back to where he was in 2020. We'll talk to Jim Riggleman about the newest Cardinals pitcher coming up at 1130. All right, looking forward to that. See you guys tomorrow at 10, 101 ESPN. To be your best every day, you need proven quality sleep every night. Science proves your best sleep is vital to your mental, emotional, and physical health. And that's where the sleep number bed comes in. And let me tell you, ever since I've had it, my sleep IQ score is just going higher and higher. And did you know 8 out of 10 couples say that one of them sleeps too hot or too cold? Science tells us regulating your sleep temperature leads to higher quality sleep. For many couples, temperature struggles are a real challenge. So here are some tips to help you both sleep just right. Look for beds designed with temperature benefits such as the new Sleep Number Climate 360 Smart Bed that actively warms and cools each side so you both sleep blissfully comfortable. And now save 40% on the Sleep Number 360 Special Edition Smart Bed. Plus, special financing for a limited time. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com slash podcast one. Sleep Number, the official sleep and wellness partner of the National Football League. Subject to credit approval, minimum monthly payments required. See sleepnumber.com for details.